feels so dang good. Tom, it feels so dang good. Welcome in, everybody. This is episode 17 of the TFA Dino Show. We've been on a little hiatus, had some holidays, had some gatherings, uh, socially distanced gatherings, that is. But I am back, Robbie Jeffries, with my guy, Tom Corson. You can find him rocking all of his prop bet dubs that he's been just dripping with at Dynasty Infidel on Twitter. And, you know, Tom, I'm not sure how you kind of walk on carpet now with all this drip that you have going on from all of this success, but it must be difficult. You must have somebody behind you just, just cleaning up, but how are you? New year, new you, still winning. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I had to go out and get some water shoes to wade through all the money that I've been winning. What can I say? It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, no, we've been, Cody and I have been doing really well lately. I think this week's show is going to be Friday. Same with the next week. And I believe not this week, but next week we might be giving away a jersey, so mm. that'll be pretty fun. But yeah, no, I'm really excited to get back into the dynasty spin of things. I was wondering what I was going to do without props all week, and then I was like, wait a minute, I came here to do dynasty shit. That's amazing. It's go time. Exactly. Not only are you the prop bet master, but you are also one of the dynasty minds here at TFA. If you guys want to get involved and find out more about that jersey that we are giving away. Follow us on Twitter at FF underscore authority. We are giving away more information and more goods throughout the offseason. And the offseason is kind of our time, Tom, right? Like, you know, redraft, they've had their time. They've had 17 weeks. Everyone's been building them up. But no, no, no. Their time is done. Their time is finished. It's our time. And I'm pumped up about it. Me too. I mean, they can they can take a little break and come back in, in August and do whatever it is that they do and – you know, we'll keep on grinding and, you know, talk about uh, fucking arm lengths and, and whatnot at the uh, <laughs> at the combine and stuff. And uh, yes. speaking of which, yeah, so that is actually going to be what our next topic is going to be, which is what's our dynasty New Year's resolution, right? Yes, that is and correct. Robbie, do you have a New Year's resolution since it's New Year, New You? Yes, New Year, you know. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't say I want to do completely new me because there is some parts of Dynasty that I, I don't want to keep turning over every year. You got to have your staples, right? Like I'm, I'm running backs, you know, I, I like my wide receivers strong, DK Metcalf like. So I'm going to stick with that. But the one thing I am changing and hopefully it will bring uh, my Dynasty game up this next year in 2021 is for super flex leagues, I'm going to value quarterbacks a lot more. You know, time we we are in a, at least one league together. Hopefully, there's there's a couple more that we're adding here in 2021. And I always seem to have quarterbacks that are kind of in the middling tier. Like I have the Matthew Staffords, have the Matt, uh, Matt Ryan's. You know, I've had Cam Newton. You know, I'm always kind of in that middling tier. And I found that the leagues where I do have a Josh Allen or a Kyler Murray or Aaron Rodgers crushed, crushed this year. And I think it's just important to value quarterback. Obviously, we. Didn't quite see what Josh Allen was going to do until he did it this year, right? But every single team I feel like that was in my fantasy and my dynasty playoffs and the championships games was Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, it is elite quarterback play. You know, some some had good running backs, but some had James Robinson and Antonio Gibson, who they got, you know, 
uh, off the waiver wire or, or in late in their rookie drafts. Some had good running, uh, excuse me, good wide receivers, but some got, you know, Stefan Diggs or uh, Justin Jefferson or Chase Claypool, you know, later in, in some picks. And so I think the one thing that I've taken away this year is I want to make sure I build strong at quarterback because I think that's what really sets you apart um, in dynasty leagues. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I had to come up with two because we didn't talk about what our resolutions were going to be because we wanted it to be a surprise. And yes. that was that was my second one. Okay. So that was like my emergency one. So I am completely on the same page with you. Um, the leagues that I won, I did have two good quarterbacks. The, the one I'm in with you with Bar Tab, I had Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Matt Ryan. Uh, some of the running backs that you mentioned, again, I inherited that team, made some trades, but again – I would not have had those quarterbacks in a regular um, a startup draft because I wouldn't have invested right. the capital. Well, I mean, with Brady and Ryan and Allen, they were all going a little bit later, but you get the gist of it. You you need to have at least one top five quarterback, I feel like, to win a Superflex League. And if you're going to play in a Superflex League, you don't have to start two quarterbacks as long as you have that one monster like Patrick Mahomes or, or Josh Allen or, or Kyler or something along, along those lines. So I'm, I'm right there with you. But my dynasty New Year's resolution is not to have a, a knee-jerk reaction to landing spots for rookies. Look at Jalen Rager last year. He was, you know, four or five in a lot of people's rankings, and then he shot up to either one or two, uh, depending on who's, you know, what your rankings were. I was guilty of moving him up to two over Justin Jefferson, even though that looks really stupid at the time. Um, I had Justin Jefferson ranked above him pre-draft and then after the draft. And for the last couple seasons, it's basically been JJ. The Eagles are a perfect example. The last two drafts, you've had JJ go there and he's vaulted up rankings, and you've had Rager go there and he's vaulted up rankings. So that situation does not always pan out um, the way you think it's going to be. Uh, look at DeAndre Swift this year and Ceh. So the talent is going to win out. We thought Swift was more talented. Most most people pre-draft, CEH goes to KC, and then he's a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later. Struggles out there, you know what I mean? And then DeAndre Swift, as soon as he gets uh, a hold on that role, the coaching staff didn't necessarily matter because it they're gone. They're going to get fired. So draft that talent. Don't adjust your rankings um so just so, some of it is dramatic when you look at post-draft and pre-draft rankings for people. It's it's really, really big differences for people. So I'm going to do my best not to have, you know, the 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 night of the NFL draft. It's you know, Jalen, Jalen Rager, wide receiver one season, all that all that other stuff. Um some people had him there beforehand, and that's perfectly fine. That just that's what your eval was on him, and then the landing spot kind of just you know, reiterates that, but I'm not going to have a knee-jerk reaction over some rookie landing spots. Yeah, I, I, th I think I try and tell myself that every year. And again, if I would have a second, that would be my second uh, resolution is to continue to remind myself of that. I think my biggest regret, and I'm still having it now, is uh, the 2019 draft. Uh, A.J. Brown is my wide receiver two behind D.K. Metcalf. And I really loved his tape at, at Old Miss and really loved his frame and then he lands with the Titans. And, and now remember back to 2019, this is the Titans that threw 450 times maybe. Um, the volume wasn't there. Corey Davis is already there. We, we still think Corey Davis is going to become what he did this season. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so we just weren't excited about that 
landing spot and I and I pushed him down the board. I remember I pushed him down to the 106, 107, 108 range with Paris Campbell. Um, I can't remember if it was maybe Hawkinson or, or Fant or someone else was around there. Yeah, probably. But he 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 went down lower than than he probably should have, um, just because I didn't trust the talent. I, I I put too much weight into that landing spot. So completely agree with your take there. All right. Um, I guess so. The topic of the show this week is going to be end of season player values. Um, Robbie usually leads the way, but on this one, this is, we're going to talk about the quarterback position. And I want Robbie to go first on this because if you have listened to, <laughs> if you know me, if you've listened to me, I have slightly pontificated about this a little bit. So I want to get Robbie's take on these two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about. We can talk about them together uh, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. So these are two quarterbacks and, and I think we have to talk about them both. And, and the reason we're doing these, these specific players for end of season player values is there's a handful of guys every year that either underperform or overperform. And when you look at uh, those performances in contrast to previous years, you have to kind of decide, is this year an outlier? Is this year the new standard? How do you project those people going forward? And I think the guys that we've selected will have a lot of variance in, in your startups and a lot of variance in your trades coming up. And so we kind of carefully selected these players to talk about. So we, I think there's a lot of variance. And so with that said, you know, starting with Carson Wentz, you know, what, what a story, I think the entire Eagles, you know, have been, and as we've noted about on a weekly basis, uh, Tom, they've been quite the story, but I think Carson Wentz is kind of just the crux of, of I don't know if deterioration is the right word, but just of things falling apart there, especially from his, his dynasty value. Um, aspect. Now, we only have December's uh, DLFs, uh, December ADP. They've started doing January's, but they haven't compiled it all. And so I wasn't able to pull that data in. But as of uh, December, he was QB 15. And I can only imagine, Tom, that he's going to fall even further than that. Um, you know, after we saw a, a couple starts from Jalen Hurts with, with mixed results. But, you know, sticking on wins, a lot has changed, I think, when you look from week 16 to 17 to net where we are now, because at, at the beginning it was, you know, Jalen Hurts is getting named as a starter on a weekly basis, and it's not he's the starter the rest of the year. It's, it's they're, they're still kind of deciding. And then he has some good performances, and they're still waiting. Uh, Doug Peterson isn't saying, you know, he's the quarterback for the rest of the year. He's doing it on a week-by-week -week basis. And then he comes out week 16. And he kind of defends uh, Wentz before they even get to a week 17. He says, you know, we I want to fix the this offense. I want to fix, you know, our, our quarterback problems. And I have a ton of confidence in Carson. Um, it, it just hasn't been working out yet. And so, you know, from my perspective pre-week 17, I was like, you know, I can see a scenario with a good offseason and, you know, some, some good reps and maybe Jalen doesn't have the best finish this season. You know, I'm not ruling out that Carson Wentz may not be the starter next year, but – as we get more information now, week 17 looks like he's looking for a trade. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions, and I'm sure you can go into it with week 17's, you know, handling of the quarterback situation, and they put in third stringer Nate Sudfeld. And so I just think that that situation's kind of changed a little bit from my initial um, thought with Wentz, but I don't think that's necessarily bad for his value, right? Is his value best with the Eagles or potentially with a team like, you know, Indianapolis or – um, you know, some of these other teams in New England or something like that. So, you know, in, in a long-winded statement, I think that there's obviously good potential for him to move on and start elsewhere. And I think if the, the buy window maybe has closed a little bit with these um, more recent developments of him probably looking for a trade, 
But I, I do think this is a player that I'm still personally interested in. Uh, I've seen when Wentz is good, he is good Wentz. And this year has been bad. Um, and, and a lot of that's him and a lot of that's also the offense. But it, it's still someone I'm looking to acquire for an early 2021 second in Superflex leagues. There is so much that went wrong with the Eagles season this year. Carson Wentz is the – he's going to take most of the blame uh, because he was a quarterback. And, and I'm not saying he looked good because he looked really bad, but his wide receivers didn't do him any favor. His play calling did not do him any favor. For So <laughs> to give you an example of what he's dealing with all season, he said multiple times throughout the season that he felt more comfortable on the move – instead of standing there in the pocket, because when he's standing there in the pocket, they're just getting instant penetration. Finally, they bench Carson Wentz, and the next two games, it's Jalen Hurts on designed rollouts. And Doug had basically said, well, we don't really have a lot of those plays. And I'm like, did you only call two plays for Jalen Hurts? So there's a lot of issues there. Uh, Peterson's coming back. It looks like Roseman's coming back, which brings me to my next point. Carson Wentz's value will will go up if he is traded, no matter where he goes, because that Eagles team is in a lot of trouble for the next two years minimum. They're old, they're expensive, they're injury prone, and they're not good. And if you have, if you bring Doug back for another year, it doesn't make sense because he doesn't have anything to work with to actually win him games. So he's going to get fired next year. And then you have Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. Is the new coach going to want Jalen Hurts at quarterback? I, I don't. I don't know because the new new coach usually wants him to do that. So everything is bleak around me for both of these players. If I was going to go buy somebody, it would probably be Carson Wentz, as opposed to Jalen Hurts, because he's going to cost less for you. And if he gets traded, he has a much better opportunity. Um, to thrive there. If he does not get traded, he's probably going to be the starter by default, in my opinion, because they're going to think that they're going to be doing uh, more with him. They just fired um, Rich Scangarello, who was an offensive uh, assistant, like a senior offensive assistant who they brought in to work with Carson, and they fired Marty Morningweg, who worked with Jalen Hurts mostly. So now you have two of the guys that worked with them a lot, got fired. Press Taylor is another guy who is probably going to get fired in my opinion, and he should be fired. So they're going to have some new voices in there. If Doug can convince them to not trade them, that he wants them both to have like an open competition, then I think Carson's going to wind up winning that job. But I have no idea if Carson wants to be here. Um, there's conflicting reports. Honestly, it, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess here. So if you can acquire one of them, I'd acquire Wentz because he's more likely to move on. Um, and Jalen Hurts, he's not going to have a lot around him. If they take a wide receiver at six, that means they don't have any offensive linemen to protect them. If they take a position other than that, then I, I don't know. I'm wearing this Eagles sweatshirt. I have all this, all these Eagles things. I've watched every single snap for the last God knows how many years. And I am just straight up Negadelphia right now because it is very negative in Philadelphia. It is not sunny at all. No, it, it's not sunny. But, you know, I think what you're describing, especially in, in the scenario, if they both are to remain on this team, I think it creates a big buy window, like you're saying, 
uh, for both these guys. When where there's more question, there's more um, potential variance with that that price that you you acquire price to acquire them. I think, like I said before, I think Carson Wentz. I would be trading for him for a 2021 second um, in super flex leagues. And I, here's another thing that I wouldn't do that until if if you are trying to acquire him. These picks just gain more and more. This is kind of moving into rookie talk for just a second. These picks mm-hmm. are going to continue to gain value as we lead up to the NFL draft. Now, once they have NFL drafts late April and they have landing spots, some of those picks now go down because there's people that build in, like we were talking about earlier in the show, the landing spot, and that decreases their value. So I think the best time to trade these rookie picks, if you are, you're set, you don't need the youth, you want to buy veterans, that, that is right before that late April real NFL draft. So, you know, just kind of quickly touch it on Hurts. You know, he had some up games. He had some down games. I think the one thing that I noticed is he wasn't consistently able. He was consistently able to move the ball downfield, but his his accuracy was just all over the place. Sometimes you'd see absolute dimes. Sometimes you'd see him miss completely, you know, easy throws. I mean, he had a completion percentage of, what, 55%. I, I think that I'm not sold with him yet, and that's fine because he – he only had what four or five games, so there's still room for him to grow if he is a potential that starter down the road. But I'm definitely like you. I think I'm, I'm urging individuals to look at Wentz because I do think, like you said, if he's traded, value goes up. If he stays, I do think there's still potential for him uh, to be that starting quarterback in 2021. Yeah, and, and Jalen Hurts, a lot of his value is going to come from his legs. So with an entire offseason for Peterson to design an offense around him and around doing that with a moving quarterback, um, not necessarily a run-first quarterback, but a running back who can use his legs. Uh, Kyler's not a running – or Kyler's not a run-first quarterback at this point in his career, but he will still run the ball between 9 and 14 times uh, in any given game. If, if we can see that from Jalen Hurts where – it's not like Lamar's, you know, first season. Um, then I think fantasy wise, he should be sustainable. But again, you have to look at what he's going to be getting with his arm. And that's what concerns me. And it's not necessarily Jalen Hurts. Although he had his issues, I can still chalk a lot of his issues up to um, having not, you know, a single lick of time. Uh, because of his offensive line was horrible. And then by then his wide receivers were just a mess and Peterson wasn't doing him any favors at all with uh, the run game, how you abandon the run game with this kid, uh, a rookie quarterback in his second start or third start. And, you know, miles has eight, eight carries and he's got 60 yards and then he gets one more carry or two more carries the rest of the game. He's not getting any favors. So uh, if the coaching staff has a, you know, if they look at themselves and say, okay, this is what we need to do with Jalen to actually make this offense work better and design something around him that, that works and they stick with it, then they can, he, he can be a very, he can be better than Carson as far as a fantasy asset because of the added bonus with his legs. But I don't, it's not going to be next year because the entire team's just too big of a mess. Yeah, completely agree there. So let's move on to our third quarterback. And, and this is, maybe not somebody who you had a ton of expectation for in a second year in an Adam Gase offense, but that's Sam Darnold. And right now in the December ADP, he's quarterback 23, which I think you have his youth baked into that because if not, he would be quarterback 32. Like by every metric uh, for, for starters, he was at the bottom end. You know, Jets have the number 
two overall pick and a new coach coming into town. I think that's something that spells a lot of danger for any incumbent quarterback, especially when you're talking about one that has a 13 and 25 record, uh, 60% completion rating, 45 touchdowns to 39 interceptions, 78 QBR rating, hasn't played a full season in three years, you know, 46 turnovers in 38 games. I mean, 46 to over one turnover per game. I think that spells a lot of danger for, for Sam Darnold, but the good news is, you know, new coach, new offense. If he is that starting quarterback, he's free from Gase. He's only 24. That's the one thing we have to remember. He is only 24. So there is, you know, potential time, but I kind of give the the pros and the cons on Sam Darnold. Um, How do you fall on that spectrum? So it's funny with Sam Darnold, you talk about in general, generally speaking, a new, a new coach for a young quarterback, it means danger. But when that outgoing coach is Adam Gase, it means clap your hands, do a dance, go to the club, put on your mask. It Maybe maybe you don't even wear a mask. I don't even know. You're that excited. <laughs> uh, but Adam Gase is gone, so you're celebrating, right? Um, the Jets actually have a very – I like the direction that their team can go in. Uh, they have Joe Douglas there now um, who looks like he can evaluate talent based on what we've seen a little bit in Philadelphia and then with the Jets, uh, that trade, when he traded Jamal Adams away, it netted them extra picks. They have an extra first. So if I'm the Jets, I'm taking Panay Sewell there at, at number two. I'm not taking Justin Fields or I'm trading back. But if I'm trading back, I'm not trading back far. I still want that offensive tackle. Because right. um, a lot of the problems he's had to deal with are injury issues. He hasn't played more than 14 games in a season, I believe. I think it was 13, 13, and 12. That's off the top of my head. You can fact check me if you'd like. Um, so he's had he's gotten hit a lot. He hasn't had a lot of very good weapons. I mean, you he had Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson leaves, and you know you have Denzel Mims. I think Mims is actually a very good player. They can draft a wide receiver with that second first round pick. Um, they have I think five. They have two firsts. I think they have a second, and I believe they have two thirds. So they have five five picks in the top three rounds this year. And right. the draft is very deep this year. Uh, so they could remake that offense. If they get a coach like Eric Bieniemy who knows what to do with a quarterback, um, then I think Sam Darnold's value is going to spike. Um, it's, it's funny, though, with Sam, you're going to have to buy him before the draft. Uh, or before the league year starts, because if the league year comes out and then they trade him away and it's not a good spot, then you're not going to get him. Or you know, right now he's at a value because he's on right. the Jets and it's Sam Darnold. Right. So now you have a buying window. If you wait too long, you're going to lose that window for two reasons: they're going to get the offensive lineman, or they're going to get a receiver, and the fantasy community community is going to say, "Oh, they got Jamar Chase or Devonta yep. Smith or whatever." Yep. Or it's Justin Fields and his value is just shot and they hadn't traded him yet. So I would be buying Sam Darnold right now. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great point that you said is that his his value right now is, is kind of a ticking clock. And I think if there is a proper hire, you know, if, if they give an offensive minded coach like you're talking about with the enemy, if they go that route, I think that encourages uh, individuals and his his price might rise a little bit but the big kicker is what do they do with that number two pick and if they decided the minute you hear that it's not going to be a quarterback i think he jumps back into maybe a top 20 quarterback maybe on the back end but people will say 
you know what? New start for him. He's away from Gaze. He's only 24. Let, let's give him this 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 chance. And so, yeah, is he somebody that you would trade? Let's say you have uh, an, a mid second. Let's say you're a middle of the pack team. You you have a QB one. You have Rogers as a QB one. You just need a maybe a QB two or, or even a third. Yeah, is, are you going to move a second for him? I would, and I think that might be a little bit aggressive. Uh, but at the same time, mid second, you're not going to have any of the top four quarterbacks fall to you. I don't think. Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence are all going to be gone. Right. So if you need a quarterback, then then go, then then do it. Because even if he gets traded, he's going to get traded somewhere to start. Would he? I think so. Because if he gets traded, so look at it this way: if he's on the Jets and they draft Justin Fields at two, you think they're going to want Sam Darnold there and have an open competition with a new coach? That means that new coach didn't believe in Sam Darnold. So they took Justin Jefferson. Or, so I'm he sorry, gets Jefferson Josh Rosen. Rosen. I mean, honestly, that you're just describing yeah, but, what Kyler Murray did to Josh Rosen, man. But it's, Rosen got traded. To not a, a starting position. I mean, kind of. I mean, they had a, a, yeah, but a competition. Rosen didn't, but Rosen didn't really start in Arizona, right? Well, he did the first year. And then, you know, yeah. second year, no, he did not. Gets, gets moved on. I, so in order for the Jets to give up on him and take somebody, I think they're going to need a, a two or a three, probably. Yeah. He's not dead. That's the thing. He's, and I, yeah, he's not. And I think that's why we're bringing him up is that I think this is a person that you can definitely take advantage of for the value. So, yeah, I, I think this is a person that you should definitely be looking at before the NFL draft happens. If you okay. need that, that young QB to take a shot on, I'm absolutely in. It sounds like Tom is too for at least a mid-second. Yeah, and and Rosen when he did play that first year, he did not look good. Donald has had flashes where it's oh he's he's a, a good quarterback, um, and you know it's with Gase. So yeah, I think to, we should has to cut down on those turnovers. I think that's the biggest thing oh, for me. Big time. Yeah. I agree completely. Yep. Let's move on to running back Tom. Um, we're gonna go back to the NFC East. I, I know that we do this often, but I think this year presents a lot of variants for these specific players that we're talking about. And the one now is Zeke. Zeke is, is somebody that I feel like you could get the SpongeBob font for on Tony Pollard better than Zeke. And then Zeke has a good game and it's, Oh, where are the Tony Pollard truthers at? And, you know, just back and forth. It just seemed to, to happen with these two guys. And look, I, I heard uh, comparisons to Zeke is the new Todd Gurley. Zeke doesn't have burst anymore. Zeke can't get it done anymore. You know, this guy's 25 years old and he doesn't have degenerative knee issues. Like, I don't, I think we've gone a little bit too far on Zeke. And I think his week 17 and, and even his week 16, which was even better, maybe put a little bit of, of halt to that. But for a bit there, Tom, it looked like people were going to sell him for just about anything, which, you know, obviously he's on, if he's on your team, you're not. But the, the, the pendulum has swayed with Zeke a little bit. I've seen startup drafts where he's going in the fourth round. He's going as running back 15 or later. I think people have really uh, cooled on, on Zeke's dynasty value, and I'm not sure it, it's warranted, but I want to hear your thoughts first. So his his days of being a round one startup player are done. Can we agree on that? Yeah. No, I, 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 think, they, I think he has to have another – 1500 all-purpose yard season to get back to there and i i don't i think that's i don't even think it matters if he has 2000 yards he won't get there 
Derrick Henry, for whatever reason, doesn't get there because people look at his age and his workload. So at well, this point, no, with Derrick Henry, it's more of his pass catching. He, well, they're, yeah. they're similar ages. It, it's, it's the pass catching, I think, with Derrick Henry. If, if he caught 30 passes a year, he'd, he'd be right up there. I think he'd probably be like the 104, you know? Right. Zeke, my thing with Zeke, he's done being a, a number one or a round one startup guy just because we're ages. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all yeah. it is. Even if he has a, you know, 2,000 total yard season next year, he's still done. He'll be in the second, but he's at a point where it's like Julio Jones has been the last two years. He's going to be a guy who outproduces his value. Um, like where he gets drafted in a startup and he can win you leagues in a dynasty league, because if you take him in the fourth next two years, that's going to be a great value because you could be getting a top 10 running back. Um, and he's got top four upside, assuming he has a healthy QB and, and he's healthy. What dinged him so much was uh, we didn't, realize how injured he was like he was playing with that ankle injury and we had no idea how bad it was until he missed that week and then the the next two weeks he came back in 16 and 17 and he looked really good again uh that rest did him a lot of good so i hope people look at it and they say okay you know it was just the injury slowing him down that much in addition to the fact that you know they were stacking the box with (laughs) Even before, when when Andy Dalton got hurt, the cool quarterbacks they were dealing with with uh, what was it? The Ben DiNucci, Gilbert, yeah, Ben DiNucci, yeah, Ben DiNucci, and, and Gilbert Grape over there. Um, <laughs> but that's essentially what it was like. What it was like. So he had a lot to deal with this season with with Dak going out, the offensive line being injured, uh, and then the ankle injury overall. So it was just the perfect storm. He was probably going to drop a little bit just because of the age. And now you're seeing uh, it's an overreaction to, to drop him to the fourth, I think. Um, I think he's mid two to late two uh, as far as his overall value, what it should be right now. But right now you're, you're just seeing that overreaction with him, which is fine. I'll draft him in the fourth and I'll be perfectly fine with it. Right. I think this is why we bring him up because this is a player that I feel strongly about is a value for your teams. If you're talking startup, if you're talking trading four players, this is a player in December's ADP, he's running back 13. And so if you continue to bring in all of these new rookie running backs and you continue to look at Jonathan Taylor probably jumps above him with his crazy finish of the year, you know, Cam Akers, some of these rookies, J.K. Dobbins, there's people that are going to move him down probably to running back 16, 17. I don't know how far it goes. But right now he's running back 13, and I would be willing to bet that it goes lower once we get January's ADP. And I think that makes a very strong buying window because he's a top 10 running back asset for me still in Dynasty. You hit on a lot of the, the points yourself. I mean, we're talking about a fourth, third, and fourth string offensive lineman. We're talking about third and fourth string quarterbacks, second string uh, with Andy Dalton. But the big thing that I'm glad you hit on was the injuries because not a lot of people have like really – dove into the injuries he's had. He had both a hamstring earlier in the year and then a calf later in the year. And those are issues that are going to plague any running back, honestly. And so when people see Tony Pollard bursting and having this really great game and you see slow Zeke only getting three yards, that's going to look bad. And and people are going to push him down and move Pollard up. But when we saw Zeke get healthy, you saw him just return to who he was behind a horrendous offensive line behind a back, uh, backup quarterback. So, 
you know, I think we, we saw how he was with Dak in a starting offensive line that was somewhat coherent. I mean, they didn't really play any of the season with their left tackle, didn't play any of their season with the right tackle, had a, you know, a new center. So I think if we get some of those pieces back and if you have Dak back, you know, we're talking about a huge value here. And so I think now is the time while people are like, oh, I don't know if Dak's going to resign. Uh, Zeke is coming off of another disappointing year where he was, what, running back 14, running back 13. That's a disappointing year for him. I think you're absolutely finding a value here if you trade for him at his current price. I agree. And another guy that I'm not sure really what what to do with, I want to hear your thoughts as well, obviously, but CEH. Uh, everybody loved him and was just, you know, a lot of people's 101 rookie, you know, RB1, 101, whatever, if it's, even if it's super flex, some people were taking him over Joe Burrow because you thought that Kansas City running back position was absolute gold. And that was because of the pass catching ability that he had. And then he goes out and he averages 3.9 targets a game. That cannot happen. It just can't. Uh, that RB role is great because of the, the passing work. If it's just the rushing, then they're they're an RB two probably because of how much they throw, and they're not going to get uh, nearly as much volume as you need to have out of like a top five to ten running back. So the big thing with Ceh, he's a rookie. I hope Andy trusts him more, um, and he has him on the field more uh, this season. He averaged the fifteenth most snaps around, among running backs, only 40, 41.8 a game. He needs to be in the fifties, which is like top four. Uh, in order to be a top five running back based on on what we've seen. So I think he can do that. Um, You've had those Kansas City running backs. That's the staple is they're on the field all the time and they're catching, uh, you know, they're catching four to five balls a game. They're not averaging 3.9 targets. They're catching four to five. Uh, I mean, Zeke averaged over four targets a game. I think he was top five in targets for running backs this season. So he needs to be well over the 3.9 into the five to six in order to actually live up to that, that draft value that you picked him at. Yeah. It's going to be kind of weird, but is it okay to criticize how the chiefs used him this year? Cause I don't think they yeah, used him is. well. And it's odd criticizing team that's coming off of a super bowl win. They still have their same offense coordinator who's going to become a head coach this year. Uh, they still have Andy Reid. But I'm going to be honest, I think they did a horrendous job utilizing him. We saw week one where they try and give him five goal line carries, and he's not a goal line back. And then as you see the year progress, they have Le'Veon Bell catching passes over him. Where I get Le'Veon Bell, that was his staple. But this is literally Clyde edwards Lair's staple of his game, is being a pass-catching running back that can also move around in space. Like I, I just think they horrendously messed up with how they used him. Now, we have a weird year, no offseason. I think that you know corrects itself, but I want to do quick revisionist history because I think this is why we're finding uh, such an underperformance from CEH because of where that expectation level rose throughout uh, the, the offseason. So let's go back. We're, we're looking at preseason before the draft, maybe like around combine, and there's like a consensus top five running backs. There's DeAndre Swift, there's Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and this fifth guy that's starting to come up because he had just an amazing year uh, – you know, with Joe Burrow, is Clyde edwards Lair. People are starting to, oh, yeah, I kind of like this guy. He's my top five. He's in my top four. Okay, now the draft happens. He's the first and only running back taken at the one, the last pick of the first round, goes to the Chiefs, you know, best offense, right? Now he skyrockets all the way up to the 101 in rookie drafts. Like you said, people are taking him above Joe Burrow in super flex. 
they're taking him above a quarterback, which if we can go back to my New Year's resolution, please, please, please remember that a locked-in QB, which they're not all locks, but a Joe Burrow, you, I just got to – you should not take running backs over these 101 quarterbacks. I just – I get it. We get a Sam Darnold every now and then, but Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, like we need to make sure that quarterbacks are the stable because this is how you get into this trap where you start to take running backs over shorter sh- shelf life. So that's just a quick rant. But continuing on this revisionist history, he gets uh, bumped up to the 101 in rookie drafts. How does he get any higher? Oh, Damian Williams opts out. And now you go to startups, and he's in the first round of, of startups, not rookie drafts, of actual startups. It's wheels up. He's going to do it. I remember doing a poll for him in the offseason, and I put him versus Dalvin Cook in a poll. You want to know who won, Tom? No, I don't. No, you don't. I, I really don't want to know because it's it's really – Edwards and Lair yeah, won wow. 58% over Dalvin Cook – I forget the exact time, and I want to say it was July or something like that, but it's after Damian Williams opts out, so maybe it was even August. Probably August. Well, Dalvin's like 40 years old, though, so that right, makes sense. Right. So we, you can see how high that pedestal w- was was risen. Uh, now he's up there with Dalvin Cook, right? So we got way too carried away. He was never going to live up to that as a rookie. You know, first splitting snaps with Daryl Williams and then later Le'Veon Bell. He obviously didn't get the receiving work we we wished he would have, but again, I think that was a fault of them not using him properly. He he improved at the end of the year, and, and by the end of the year, he was running back 22, so huge disappointment for the expectations giving, but I'm not giving up on him. I still think he's a very good value. Um, he's right now running back 14, so I think he's kind of evenly priced, but if people are low, lower on him, if they're, they're liking a lot of these other guys that are popping up, he's someone I do have a lot of faith in, in a Chiefs offense that can obviously explode at the running back position. Yeah, I'm not giving up on him. It's just, like you said, the usage was just really odd, especially for somebody that you drafted in the first round. Like, he's got first-round draft capital in there. He, they could have waited and taken, you know, whoever. <laughs> I, yep. Yeah, I'm yep. not, not going to just start naming a bunch of names because then that's even more revisionist. But we're not going to have Le'Veon Bell there next year, um, so that's good. And he's got a full – season and a full pro off season. Uh, hopefully things with COVID kind of level off a little bit. So that way they can actually have more of the mini camps and, you know, the in-person things and, and get a little bit better coaching. So that way the coaching staff uh, feels a little bit more prepared to put him out there on the field, the snaps and the targets to me, that's, that's the big thing. Right. He's going to get carries, but what sets that position apart, it's, it's the targets and the, and the receiving work. And I think he's too good of a receiver for them not to eventually give him yeah, targets. Yeah. So he's running back he's 10 on. for me in Dynasty. I know we've been talking about updating our, our Dynasty rankings a little bit. I have, and he's coming at running back 10. You know, he, he's a young guy with running back one potential. Um, so I like him right in that range. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in with, with CEH still. You want to move on? Yes, sir. All right. Next man is David Money Montgomery. Man, I am – pumped up about this because for a while now I've had to sit behind the Josh Jacobs fans and the Miles Sanders fans as someone who had David Montgomery as the running back one in that class. Hold on. I'm trying to look around to try and find a crow. Yes. Yes. I got to eat him. <laughs> Do you remember Tom? Maybe it was episode one or two. No. Nagging me 
about David Montgomery being too high. You said, yeah, you have David Montgomery at the 43 or I don't remember where it I was had like, him at. he was at like 43 and I had him at 91 to 93, uh, I believe. And I remember now that you brought it up, I just, it was very vivid. Um, <laughs> nag, 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 nag. David Money Montgomery. You have to evolve with your takes. You have to evolve with your evaluations. Okay. And if you do not evolve in your evaluations, um, then you're just doing this whole thing wrong. Um, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to talk a little bit and then you can finish saying what you were saying, because oh, yeah. this is the big difference for me. I'll be short. You you can just, you know, go on your, your love parade, play your love music whenever you come up after I'm done and then we'll be perfectly fine. The big difference for me with David Montgomery this year, he was seventh overall in RB targets, second in route run or routes run. A lot of that is going to be because Tariq Cohen was injured. But if you remember that episode, one of the things I, I talked about was the fact that one of his greatest strengths was being used in the passing, passing game when he came out and Chicago refused to do it. So I thought he was being capped as a, you know, a two down back. And that's not what he was like. It, he can catch the ball. He can run routes. He can go. I don't Matt Nagy. I, I don't understand. So I was Matt Nagying you more than anything else. Um, but yeah, once he got that opportunity to actually go on the, on the, on the field for three downs, then he took advantage of it. And I really, really, really hope when Cohen comes back that they remember how good David Montgomery was. No, I completely agree. And I think that's, that's the, the one uh, needle that can burst this bubble is what is his snap share when treat Cohen comes back? Because when Cohen was out, he had the highest snap share of any running back. Like think back to like Christian McCaffrey getting 98% of the workload. You know, David Montgomery wasn't far off. He was in the high 80% of being on the field because they had nobody else. They had Ryan Nall, uh, Artavius Pierce. Yeah, I just pulled out the name Artavius Pierce. Like they had nobody else. Uh, Cordero Patterson, I guess, which that is a pet project that needs to be gone in 2021. But I digress. You know, Dave Montgomery, I've always been higher on him than consensus, and I will continue to be after his running back four season. He's running back 16 for me and, and player 42 overall. So I actually didn't move him up a ton, but it's a lot of it's to you do with – You couldn't how, really move him up higher than what you had him it, You, I you had him ranked properly. I'm like, okay, he has a great season. I'm going to move him up and be so pumped about it, rub it in Tom's face. And then all these 2020 rookies go off, and I'm like – uh, they are they are having better mm -hmm. situations. They've taken over the situations, and now we have one where if Cohen comes back, I'm not sure how that works out. So just being fully transparent, and you're talking about not getting stuck in a mindset, I have to realize that that's a risk. And also, there's the risk of if the quarterback situation changes, is that for the better? Is that for the worse? You know, you hopefully it doesn't get worse than it has been. Does the O line improve? I've been saying for two years now that they need to improve it, and they decided not to last year. Linemen, draft linemen, the entire draft, just draft offensive linemen because that's what they need so badly for him. So, really hoping that that happens because I will move him up if that does. But for right now, he's there, but he's running back 22 in December ADP. And, and so, I think with his really good December, maybe he kind of creeps back up. But once again, once these rookies kind of compiling and I think he sits right around that running back 20-ish range so I'm just slightly above um, where consensus is at and he's a buy for me I have to finish my rankings but I think he's going to wind up being in like the 15 to 17 range probably 
That's a very specific range. I like that. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not going to be non-specific. What do you expect? What do you expect? We are, we are not on the TFA Donna show to not be specific for you all. So Right. So there. speaking about specific, I just had a nice pile of shit in my mouth about uh, David Montgomery. Would you like to eat your big pile of shit here? Uh, I have, yes, on a couple of occasions, and I'll continue to hear um, Kev on on the morning Sunday morning show has has always been kind to remind me that I had Stefan Diggs as a bust this year, and you know as did many, and I will I will say that I obviously don't stick behind that now, but at the time I would do it over again, not knowing what we know now, like. The Bills weren't supposed to throw this much. Josh Allen wasn't supposed to be this accurate. Who knew that Stefan Diggs would cure it for him? Yeah. And let's talk about how freaking good Stefan Diggs was. Like it's a, it's insane how good he was. Um, you know, he still has three years left on his contract with the Bills. Allen to Stefan Diggs, I think, will be a thing of the future. But he caught 76% of his 166 targets. He had 11 games where he had 85. 85 or more yards 11 games like talk about just consistent being an elite qb1 or, or excuse me wide receiver one he finished outside the top 36 receivers in ppr just once only once was he not a startable fantasy player for you that is absolutely a fantastic year he's cute he was wide receiver three you know he i have him in that range with hopkins jefferson lamb mclaurin aj brown i have him in that tier um, let me actually pull it up. I want to say he's like 12 for me, maybe even 10. So, I mean, Overall? there's just, yeah, there's just no, 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 for wide receivers. Yeah, he's seven for me. So, a little do you bit see higher. Do above him? I do not. Okay. I do not. And that's, uh, right. that would, that would be, I would, I would say, come on, come on. No, um, I only have. Uh, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, and Justin Jefferson above him. I am. I'd move him, I'd move him above. I'd definitely move him above Godwin. So you're going to have him as a top six wide receiver. So you're, are you saying you're even taking a step? Why, why not? Why not? No, exactly. Tell I me why not. No, okay. Oh, wait. I was going to say, tell me why not. I'm going to tell you why not. I have no reason to. I literally put on here, can't find a reason to knock him. All right. This is the this is the this is the only concern that I'm going to wind up having uh, with Stefan Diggs. What if Brian Dable leaves to get a head coaching job? Then I'm slightly concerned because you have Sean McDermott as a defensive minded coach. Um, you had Greg Roman there before. Now you had Brian Dable come in and he just took that offense to a new level. I'm not really sure how. You've seen how good Brian Dable's been for Josh Allen, the passing game in general. I don't know where they're going to go there. I don't know how it's going to affect him. Stefan Diggs' talent has never been in question. He gets open every play. He's yep. a stupid route runner. Yep. Yep. And I mean, if you want to talk about a quarterback uh, who only throws the open people, like say a quarterback only throws the like open receivers. Stefan Diggs is wide open. It's not Aaron Rodgers throws to somebody if they're covered on a back shoulder. It doesn't matter. Devontae Adams is always open. Stefan Diggs is always open because he's got three yards of separation from somebody. But it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens with, with Brian Dable. If Brian Dable leaves and he gets a head coaching job, what they do to replace him and how that affects the, the output of the offense. Um, 
you see, you know, young quarterbacks that take that leap and then their offensive coordinator leaves because of it. And you will, you see them take a step back um, sometimes. So I'll be interested to see that. I'll be tracking that, but that I think will affect Josh Allen more than it will Stefan Diggs. Um, because Stefan Diggs is just, he's just stupid. Uh, I'm not going to really talk anymore because a lot of the stats I had were very similar. I will give you a little sneak preview there. If you decide to listen to the show and you're this far into it, he will be one of my prop bets this week or two or three. We need to have like music and trumpets blaring for this. Of, of Well, you're going to edit it. So there's trumpets and everything else. And we are not storming the Capitol for Stefan Diggs, but we are excited. I agree uh, completely. Okay. So, and Tom, I am going to listen to you this week on whatever prop you tell me. You have the money. Just insert it for me. You are going to uh, win me some money. So, Just send about- me money every week. at the Whenever you get paid, just send me a percentage of it, and then I'll, I'll say uh, – it's like investing. Stimulus check deposited. Tom Corson. Hot. All right. That, that's beautiful. Spe- speaking of stimulus, do you think Michael Thomas will be stimulated by a new quarterback? Oh Lordy, um, I'm I'm completely off off of the Michael Thomas bandwagon. You know, I think the the problem with Michael Thomas is that he is a very dependent. He's very dependent on volume for his fantasy success. We saw in his absolutely phenomenal uh, record breaking uh, season in 2019, he had 185 targets, like unheard of. Like we haven't seen that since Marvin Harrison days. He turns 28 in March. That's not old at all. I'm not calling him old. I'm not the one that tries to push these players into retirement before they're actually old or showing signs of decline. However, that is older, four or five years older than Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, all guys that he's currently ranked above in ADP that I think will either jump above him in consensus or at least I will have in consensus over him. I have him instead around Keenan Allen, A-Rob, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay. I have him in that group because I just I just do not know. I don't think that they're going to have that same volume, A, either as a Saints passing volume uh, offense. If, if Drew Brees isn't a quarterback, I don't think they throw quite as much. Or B, even uh, if they do decide to throw that much, I don't think he gets that same target share uh, that we saw in that 2019 season. So, we saw him have zero touchdowns this year. He's not a touchdown machine. He actually only gets one touchdown every 20 targets. Like we're talking about, he has to have 120 targets just to get six or seven touchdowns. Um, so I do not think he's a, a wide receiver one anymore. And that's why I'm going to have him probably lower than what consensus is right now. He's at wide receiver eight, maybe he drops a little bit with some of these rookies leapfrogging him at the end of the year, but I'm probably going to have him. Oh, yeah, wide receiver 17 right now, which probably sounds crazy, but I just don't see the volume there. So it's it's funny that you mentioned a couple of numbers that you did, and you said you're off him, and then you like paired him with A-Rob and <laughs> a bunch of guys who are very good. And that speaks volumes to how good Michael Thomas has actually been because of the season that he just had. Uh, that being said, I feel like people are forgetting how good he's been since he came into the league in 2016 – He's a rookie, starts 12 games, has 92 receptions, nine touchdowns, 11-37. That's his worst season as a pro until this season. Um, He's been very uh, durable as well until this season. There was just something weird about this year for him. 
Uh, I don't know what it was uh, with Drew Brees. It seemed like Drew Brees comes back in the lineup, and all of a sudden Michael Thomas is like, eh, nah, I'm done. Um, so I think he is definitely a wait and see. I think he is probably going to be in the same boat as Zeke, whereas I think his production is going to definitely outweigh his overall value as far as like draft position and trade value, what you're going to get for him. Um, so unless you're willing to take a little bit of a loss, you're probably not going to move him this off season. You're better off just keeping him again. He doesn't have an extensive injury history over 92 receptions every single year, aside from this year. The one thing we have to look at is QB situation. They don't have a lot of money. Um, so they're not going to add a lot of wide receivers, but what are they going to do a quarterback? That's right. the most concerning thing. Um, if, if Hill comes back and he's the quarterback, you saw games where Michael Thomas's target share was ridiculous. And you yeah. saw other games where you didn't, where's Michael Thomas. So I, I'm not sure what to think of. It's almost like a wait and see kind of thing. What if Cam Newton goes there? Because Cam Newton is an interesting guy because he could wait up the, uh, you know, the free agency period again, like he did this past year. And then he goes to New Orleans on a cheaper deal. If Cam goes there, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like Thomas, I mean. Oh yeah, I'm I'm out. He'd, he'd fall even more. Like I, he's he's I'm a, not a cam guy, so he's a he's a volume. It's not that I'm not a cam guy. I'm not a wide receivers in a cam offense guy. The volume when when Cam's the quarterback, the volume when Taysom Hill's the quarterback. Um, you know, if I think best case scenario is it's a Jameis Winston or somebody who you know can chuck it 600 times in a season, I think that's the best case scenario because we're talking about a wide receiver that averages 11 yards um, per completion. Um, again, he's not a touchdown machine. I, I think you listed he had nine touchdowns uh, first season, and I think that's his yeah, high. He's been at eight, eight, and, and zero this year. So We had nine, five, nine, nine, and zero. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about – I mean, nine's not a bad number, right? But, again, we're talking about a lot of targets, and I just don't know if he quite returns to that – and again, I think you, you said it best is that you, you said you're down on him and you're out on him, but he's down there around some really good wide receivers and K.A., A-Rob, Evans, and Galladay. I think that just shows you how deep the wide receiver um, pool is in Dynasty right now. And I think that that just shows you in startups, you can wait. Like if, if you waited until the fourth and fifth round to get your first wide receiver, I, I think you're going to be perfectly fine. If you're starting wide receivers – are Keenan Allen and Kenny Galladay. I think you're rolling in talent with your quarterbacks and well, your running. You got backs. a couple injury and injury prone wide receivers, but um, <laughs> um, leave the chat. <laughs> Tom has left the chat. No, I just I just think that that shows that how deep wide receiver is in Dynasty right now. But I think we're getting really close to an edge where some of these older guys will start to fall dramatically as, as we've been talking about some of these guys that are 28, 29 years old. I mean, when we went back to our, who's our next five that jumps into our top five dynasty wide receivers, we were talking about how some of these older guys start to fade just a little bit. So in a couple more years, they'll be completely off the map, I think. Yeah, no, um, I think a guy who kind of like broke on the map a little bit, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Did I say it right, buddy? You got it. You nailed it. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I wrote down A I Y O O O O O O O O O O O O K. Ayuk. Whatever. I still love Brandon Ayuk. Guess what? Whenever I said Brandon Ayuk on the prop show, he hit. So whatever. 
Anyway, uh, Brandon Ayuk, what do you think about him? I think he's the wide receiver one on his team right now. I think uh, the question is whether he can be a top 12 wide receiver with Kittle back, in my opinion. Because if you wind up extrapolating his uh, statistics from week 7 to 15, um, he played six games there, he missed a game, and they had a bye. Averaging 11.5 targets, 7.5 receptions, 94.6 yards. Uh, averaged a touchdown to, I think it was, he had four touchdowns out of the six games, so 0.67 TDs, 19.1 fantasy points a week in a PPR setting, which is the important thing that we're looking for. And that is 306 fantasy points over a year. 306. That would have been wide receiver four this year. Now, going back to Kittle, he missed some games. Um, nine through 15, I believe it was. I'm blanking on that for whatever reason. I didn't have that written down. The but, game that uh, Kittle missed? Kittle missed 9 to 15. I think he, oh, he missed early than injured that. in week 8. Huh? Oh, he was injured earlier than that. I think it was week 3. No, no, I'm talking when he actually went out like on the IR. Okay. But anyway, I believe that's what, what I saw. I didn't – I accidentally uh, missed that there. I think he got injured in week 8. Um, but you can throw that out if you want to. The one game where they wo- where they both played, um, I think Ayuk had ninety over ninety yards there. So I love Brandon Ayuk. I'm not gonna lie, I own him in a bunch of different leagues. Um, I'm buying him even though his price might be excessive. I don't know if he's going to be the wide receiver, a top twelve wide receiver this year, especially with Kittle on the field. I think that all comes down to. Who is the quarterback there? Because Jimmy G, I don't know, man. I think he's probably going to be gone. Yeah, I, I think Brandon Ayuk is a really good name that we put on here for the reasons you just stated. One, he's been absolutely electric when he's been on the on the field. Like we talk about Stefan Diggs just being consistent. Throw him in your lineup, you know he's going to get you a hundred or a touchdown every single week. Well, seven straight weeks, Brandon Ayuk had a hundred yards or a touchdown. He was a bum in week 17, but that's fine. You already won your your fantasy championship. He can be a bum in week 17. That doesn't bother you at all. He had seven straight weeks. We're talking about a a 49ers wide receiver, so they're a run-first team. They have a backup quarterback in. Now he's just casually just getting you 100 or a touchdown like he's been doing it for years. This is a rookie. So I I was on the Debo over IU train for a lot of 2020, and I flip-flopped, you know, I flip-flopped in about week 14, 15 when he just continually, continually just uh, put up a good game after good game. You know, I think this changes, and this is where the crux comes in of where does he fall. This offense definitely changes when Kittle comes back full-time. And by the way, he got injured. He missed weeks two and three, came back weeks four through eight, and you were correct. He went on IR um, for week nine through 15. So, yes, you were correct there. But I think this offense it happens. Is, it's a new year, new me. Yeah, new year, new you. You got to be right every now and then <laughs> outside of your uh, prop bets. So there's that. I, I think this offense is different with Kittle in, with Debo Samuels in. And I do think Debo Samuel is a good wide receiver that will have wide receiver one weeks. But if we're talking about where Ayuk fits in, um, right now he's wide receiver 28 in December ADP. I bet that probably even creeps up a little bit more. I'm not sure a ton because people still have in the back of their head, Kittle is coming back, Debo's coming back. Let's see what this offense looks like. 
But for me right now, he is wide receiver 34, so I feel low on him. But tell me how you feel about him with these other guys. Brandon Ayuk or Will Fuller? Ayuk. Okay, Ayuk or DJ Chark? Ayuk. And Ayuk or Jalen Rager? Ayuk. Not, that's not even close to me. Okay. Then I shouldn't go down anymore. Let's start going up. Ayuk or Sutton? Ayuk. Okay. Ayuk or OBJ? Ayuk. Okay. Same with Landry, I'm assuming. Yep. And we're up to now Brandon uh, Chase Claypool. Ayuk. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to be much higher on Ayuk than I am. I'm a little bit more concerned uh, about how that offense looks when he comes back. But you're right there. He's been absolutely electric when he's been uh, the man there. I'm just a little nervous what happens um, when this offense has more mouths to feed. Yeah, no, I understand that that's the only concern there there possibly can be, but I'm taking that concern, and I hope the owner has that concern, and I'm going to send out offers in every single league that I'm in. I tried to get him in our bar tab league. I was offering – I offered James Robinson straight up for him and couldn't get it done. No, he's been he's been electric, which is maybe why – okay, I haven't set it up until now, but I think it, it's it's this is a good time. Maybe he's a sell for me. I know that sounds crazy coming off of, like I just said, seven straight weeks of 100 yards or a touchdown. But if he becomes now a, a wide receiver three, you know, that has some wide receiver one weeks, but mostly it's Kittle and one week it's Samuel, then it's uh, Ayuk. And, and we're talking about an offense that, you know, they threw a lot with Mullins, but, you know, if that defense gets healthy again, are they going to throw as much as they did? I think that he might be a sell for me. Gee. Yeah. I don't know. I think you might want to wait a little bit before you do anything. I'm definitely lower than uh, I'm not. I listen. If I'm, if I'm much lower than you, as we've seen, I'm not selling. I'm not, not selling for. Yeah. No, the first round. Let me think. Chase Smith Waddle. That's it. So I, Chase and Devonta Smith would be I'd have them over him and then Waddle is like on the fence. Bateman I do not have over him. Um running backs, Najee. So I guess I'm talking like 105. 105 price in a regular league and like 107 in a rookie league would be the yeah. least I'm selling him for. No, I, I I think that's fair. And I guess my point is that's probably a good value to sell him is what I'm saying. I think no, it's not. We look at this next year. He's not going to go higher than that. Do you think he's going to have a better? Uh, you think he's going to actually have that seven straight weeks and, and extrapolate it out to now he has you know ten or, or thirteen weeks of a hundred yards or a touchdown? No. So I think he's probably going to actually have less than he had this year. If if you if I told you that Ayuk had less than seven games of a hundred yards or a touchdown, I don't think that'd be shocking next year. You'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, Kittle came back in the offense and they ran a lot more because the running back stayed healthy and they had a better defense. You know, I don't think that'd be shocking to anybody. I don't know if their running backs are going to stay healthy. And I think no. Kyle Shanahan wants yeah. to. <laughs> I think, I, yes, he, he has got four running backs for a reason because he has this <laughs> thing where he just gets them hurt. So he needs 15 right. running backs. Jamichael Hasty get healthy again. Debo is so, a good wide receiver. They like their wide receiver. Like Kyle Shanahan wants good wide receivers. He makes good wide receivers in offense. You think back to Pierre Garcon. 
in the Kyle Shanahan offense. You look at yeah, there you go. I mean, we can go back to Andre Johnson if you'd like. I believe really? right in Houston, um, he makes wide receiver ones, um, and Kittle being out there. Doesn't really hurt him, I think, as a lot of people think, because you have that elite tight end that cuts coverage off. They have to shift coverage over to Kittle, especially because Kittle's not just like he's not Zach Hurts, where he's he runs eight yards and he sits and he gets a first down. Yeah. And he runs, you know, nine yards and he sits and he's you know tackled as soon as he gets um, the ball caught or, or he catches the ball. Um, no, Kittle is an explosive player, he's a downfield threat in the middle, and they have to account for that. So I think he actually helps um, Ayuk there. The The concern is Debo and how good Debo is. And I think they have two good wide receivers. I think they have one very good wide receiver in Ayuk. I think they have a, a good wide receiver in Debo, and I, they have a great tight end. Uh, they need a quarterback. That's what they need. If they get that quarterback, then that offense all of a sudden is going to be, let's fire it on up, and here we go. We're going to throw the ball a ton, and all of a sudden those running backs, that's not going to matter. Gosh, Zach Wilson would be so good in this offense, I think. That would be such a good marriage. But, yeah, I think we're saying similar things, and and I guess my point is I think Shanahan's so good at utilizing his weapons that Ayuk is a good weapon, and he was the only weapon, and so he made him great. And then we see Kittle come back in Week 17. Kittle has nine targets. What happens to Ayuk? He kind of fades for one game, and then it's a Debo game, and then it's an Ayuk game. Shanahan's very good at getting the most out of his players, but there's only so many plays. There's only so many opportunities. And so I just think that opportunity gets cut down when you have, and, and let's not act like Debo is going to be healthy for 16 games because he hasn't right. been going all the way back to uh, his collegiate career. So I'm not saying that at all, but I do think there is a chance where he could regress from his pace. Well, he, he likely will regress from his pace. I guess the point is, can he do enough to kind of keep that where he's ranked at right now? So with all that right. said, Let's finish it out with tight ends. Noah Fant is our first one, and this is a guy that I think after the Cortland Sutton injury, we were really excited to see what could happen because when you had Sutton, when you had Judy, when you, when you had Fant, talk about this, where does the ball go with the 49ers? Where would the ball go from Drew Locke in, in that Broncos offense? We kind of found out you know, that ball isn't really going anywhere from Drew Locke. It's not going uh, for 4,000 yards and, and Drew Locke vamping up into a QB6 realm like some thought on their bold takes. But it was a bold take. That's the point of, of those takes. Drew Locke just didn't quite get it done for us this year. And I think Noah Fant, aside from the injury, really was hit because of that lack of QB play or good QB play. So kind of what are your thoughts on Noah Fant as we enter uh, this next year? I like his athletic profile, but again, Cortland Sutton's coming back. Um, that tight end position with the emergence of guys that, you know, we're going to talk about Robert Tanya next. I, I'm not, I'm just going to kind of tease that one there. Uh, Logan Thomas. It's not teasing uh, if you just say the name. That's, that's yeah. giving it away. So how would I have teased that correctly? <laughs> the big Bobby out in like Green Bay or some shit? I you have know, no idea. I'm so. Uh, impressed with that you said Tanyan. Like I, I had it down, get him when he says Tanyan. <laughs> and I now have to just delete that line. So thanks for ruining the podcast. Well, you're Good welcome. Uh, it's it's late. I don't know what to doing, uh, what I'm doing. I can't even speak English anymore because I'm just saying names correctly. I, what, what the <laughs> hell is that? Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm not really, I like Noah Fan coming out. I didn't love him. 
they need a quarterback. I, I whiffed on that Drew Locke one, whether it be from injury or other. It could be all of the above. I don't know what the hell they're going to do out there. Um, they have Sutton. They have Judy. Hamler actually played well. So there's a lot Patrick, of mouths to feed. Patrick huh? played oddly well. Yes, Tim Patrick as well. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of good wide, wide receivers and people who can catch the ball. So that offense, it's never going to run through one guy, I don't think, because they have a bunch of guys who are very good or can be above average. Like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy can be above average NFL players. And same with Noah Fant. And then when you throw in Hamler and Tim Patrick, you have a lot of weapons. And we haven't talked about the running backs yet. Uh, so my issue with, with him would be volume, um, whereas a guy – like, you know, who I, I have ahead of him, Mike Gesecki. Okay, all right. Yeah, we still did okay with some of our bold takes. Went up being the tight end seven. I think I said five, but he missed some time. But uh, I have, you know, a few guys above him that I think other people might not, mainly because of the volume issue. They're just going to look at his athletic prof- profile and, you know, try and say he's going to be a top five tight end where I just don't, I don't see the amount of targets that it's going to be necessary. Yeah. Tom, what I see here happening here is kind of like a Hunter Henry situation where Hunter Henry mainly for injuries on his side, continued to keep his top seven, top six tight end status, despite disappointing us year, year, year. And he still kept it. And he finally has this year with, with Justin Herbert, where he, he stays healthy and he, you know, he has quote unquote breakout year with, with, you know, that rookie. And I kind of see a similar thing for fan because you, you hit it on the head. There was no Cortland Sutton. So he had 93 targets with, and if you're telling me your tight ends getting 93 targets, he's probably getting, you know, 75 receptions because tight ends catch 80% of their targets. Well, except when you, you play for the Broncos and Drew Locke doesn't have the season you were expecting, and he catches sixty-six percent of his passes. Um, you know, he not great, Bob. Not great. He had twenty more receptions, thirty more targets, but his yards per completion went down from fourteen to eleven. His TD stayed the same at three, and so I think that's where you know I'm kind of I'm not saying I think he's a, a hold. We, we, we've had buys and sells kind of throughout this uh, episode so far. I think if you have no fan, I think you need to continue to hold, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're disappointed one more year as this offense tries to figure themselves out, as Corbin Sutton gets worked back in, as Jerry Judy ascends to the player that I think, you know, Jerry Judy can be, you know, I don't know if Noah fan ascends to that top seven uh, tight end that he's currently going at in December ADP. So I think it's questionable, but I'm, I'm in a holding pattern. No, that's fine. You're usually questionable. So I, that's fine. No problem. <laughs> Always questionable, says the dynasty infidel. Robert Tunyon is how we'll finish this night off. And okay, what you know how we always see these tweets that says this player is everything we wanted this player to be. No better fit than Robert Tunyon is what Robbie wanted Jay Sternberger to be. This <laughs> was Jay Sternberger's year, and Robert Tunyon stole it from him. And he stole 11 touchdowns on only 52 receptions, his 88% catch rate. He's everything that you want in an Aaron Rodgers tight end. He doesn't throw the tight end a ton, but when he does, he scores every fifth catch. And, and that's great. So that's what we saw this year. I do think now that I said that 88% catch rate, that's probably going to regress. 11 touchdowns, only 59 targets. I think that's going to regress. You know, he finished his tight end three 
where does he where does he go next year? Because he is a free agent. He could be somewhere somewhere else. He could stay with the Packers. You know, did Jay Sternberger show enough? Because he had a couple flashes here and there in some of his games. Did he show enough to let uh, Packers let Tunyon walk and not pay him what four or five million a year? Kind of a Blake Jarwin type of deal. He got about four four to five million dollars per year. I don't think they want to pay that, so they probably let him walk. But you know, I kind of want the tight end connected to Aaron Rodgers, which is something we haven't said a lot. But there is some something to be said about what do they do with the wide receivers there? Because you've got to think after not drafting a wide receiver in the last draft, they sh- really should this year. Well, you said something. Um, you want the tight end connected to Aaron Rodgers, and guess what? I think Aaron Rodgers wants a tight end connected to Aaron Rodgers, and he has chemistry with Big Bobby Tanya. Bob. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? So. I think he will be back because Aaron Rodgers will say, you're going to bring him the fuck back. You, you drafted a quarterback in the first round this year instead of getting me a weapon, you assholes. So go ahead and, and keep the one who catches all the touchdowns for me. Um, and I think he'll be back again. But <laughs> he had 12 tight ends, had more yards than he did this year. He is completely TD dependent. The games that he doesn't score touchdowns, he is like – He's less than useless. He's not a quality start in fantasy, so that's tough. But, again, what do we have with the tight end position? You have the top couple where you have Kelsey Kittle when he's healthy and Darren Waller, and you can't even put Mark Andrews in there because of the volume issue. Um, Hawkinson was getting there, but you have a, a bunch of guys who are getting there in that next tier after the top three. Tunyon's in that group. Uh, because of the tight ends, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to get really good weeks from them. So I'm not, if somebody really wants them, I'd probably sell them as far as like dynasty wise. But at the same time, I think that he's going to probably be back in green Bay next year. So I disagree with you there. He should be. Yeah. I mean, he should be. And, and if he is, I definitely want the the starting tight end for him. It's just it's it's the who, what positions do you pay when the salary cap is going to be decreased? And I think running back you're not going to pay, tight end you're not going to pay. There's just some positions where I think you're going to take. Okay, you know we have a decent backup there that can get it done. Let's see what we got. So you're absolutely right. If if he does stick around, he is currently the tight end eleven in ADP, and I I don't think he'd be any lower than that. I think we could see a Higby like. Um, season well we saw an entire season for him as opposed to five games for Higby but then Higby was tight end eight I believe going in uh, to dynasty the next year and so I think he'd be right around that top 10 maybe 11 maybe nine uh, marks so yeah if he's with the the Green Bay Packers I I think that's a fair a fair assessment for him anything else Tom before we wrap this up I uh, am excited for some playoff football let's get after it yeah absolutely so Tom and Cody are going to continue with their props. Um, they've been absolutely on fire. I've told them to go back and, and figure out what their winning percentage is because it's through the roof. And then if you take out players that get injured in the first half of games, that goes even higher. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking 85%, just hyping them up a little bit. But uh, continue to check them out. Tom, that's on Saturday nights you're rolling with Cody. Uh, so I believe for the first two weeks you're going to be rolling on Friday night. So hopefully we get the show out before then. If not, then we'll be putting an alert out saying, hey, we're going to roll tonight instead of Saturday, and we'll put set stuff out for Saturday games and stuff out for Sunday games for you, and you know, hopefully we make some more money this weekend. 
Absolutely. On top of that, we are going to we're going to keep rolling with Degen Nation on Thursday nights. Kevin, the boys are going to be giving you your DFS slates for the playoffs as we continue. Um, and then I, th- I think what's really exciting for us that we said at the top is it's dynasty season. We're going to be talking rookies coming fo- up in the next couple of episodes. We're going to be getting guests on from the TFA family, from outside the family. So make sure you're tuned in. We're, we're really excited for this. This is going to be our first off season, really diving in from a TFA perspective on these rookies. So Tom, until then, see ya.